0: What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here with the Scale-Up Show. I have Greg Shove, who is the founder of Section 4. This guy has basically had, he's founded six companies, right? And he's had over $250 in exits. Pretty insane what's going on. You're not going to want to miss this. He talks about how to recession-proof your business, which is super, super, super timely for what's going on right now. Don't miss it. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions and this show is the answer. Welcome everybody to The Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Greg Shove, who is the CEO of Section Four. He is a six time founder not three, not four, but six times. He's generated over $250 million in exit value and three exits on top of it, too. There's a lot of CrossFit, soccer, grilling, angel investing on the weekends. Greg, happy to have you on the show, man. Welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the invite.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, you are the first six time founder we've ever had on the show, unless, uh, unless my memory doesn't serve me correctly, which I believe it does. And so, real quick, before we get into your your history, which which is amazing with some of the things that you've done, I want to do a real quick revenue rundown so everybody has some context in terms of where you're at in stages of the journey. So, where are you guys at right now in terms of your ARR? We're at uh, $5 million going uh, this year into $7 million. Nice, man. Awesome. Okay. Um, and then-
1: by the way, hold sec. Six-time founder means I'm just older than most and crazy. That's all it means.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I could say grizzled veteran. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of adjectives we could yeah, use around yeah, that. Yeah, I, I
1: look like that too. I, yeah. yeah, I am grizzled.
0: I mean, you dress nice. I don't know. I don't know if you're watching the show, but this guy dresses yeah, I nice. I try. I try.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I try, I, try, I try to lower the lower the age impression. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, right, Someone million in ARR, 60 40 enterprise to consumer split on the ARR. So our enterprise business is
0: Okay. And then what's your team size? 40 people. Okay. You got 40. Uh, And then walk us through your solution a little bit because I mean, that's very interesting that you have the 60 40 split with the enterprise to the consumer side. Yeah. So, first of all, it's a live learning platform.
1: So, think about us as not Udemy or Coursera or LinkedIn Learning, not a video library for learning, but basically live classes that are run kind of every month in cohorts. So a group of people join, employees of big companies typically are joining and together taking a class that will last anywhere from two hours to about two weeks. So we call this live learning. Some people call it cohort-based learning. We've got about 20 classes in our catalog. We're adding another 20 this year. And who's buying it? Consumers for themselves. And probably getting reimbursed by their, you know, for their, by their company using their educational benefit or they're expensing it, stuff like that. And or a head of L and D is buying it, you know, for the company, right? And so the enterprise revenue is growing because head of L and Ds realize that they bought LinkedIn Learning, they bought Coursera for business, they bought Udemy for business, but no one uses it because no one really wants to just watch videos on their own online in terms of learning, right? And they're buying us as a kind of premium learning solution. Primarily for their middle management. Think about us as executive education for people that are kind of, you know, in the 30, 30s to 50s in, their, in terms of age, in terms of kind of mid-career, wanting to accelerate their career. You know, it's been a long time since they were in school or learned anything useful. And so, you know, we, we teach these uh, short, intensive, we call them sprints, uh, courses on what we consider high value topics, right? Growth marketing, product management, uh, how to make decisions using data, how to recession proof your business. Uh, how to storytell as an executive in terms of raising capital or convincing customers to follow your lead if you're an entrepreneur, right? Topics like that. We teach them online in this kind of live cohort format.
0: Okay. Love that, man. Huge, huge. I mean, I wish I could show you. I can't really, I don't want to spin my camera around. I got books all over the damn place in here. Love, 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 love learning. So, um, and, and real quick, so are you bootstrapped or funded?
1: uh venture back so uh seed round initially and then a 30 million dollar series a two years ago led by journal catalyst
0: okay uh, Excellent, so man.
1: Uh, lo- lo- lots of capital which which comes with uh you know uh
0: all kind all kinds of upside and all kinds of downside lots of expectations too capital equals expectations, expectations right um and then yeah. what's your primary go-to-market strategy with that that unique model where you're serving both the enterprise and the the um, consumer, like how do you approach that?
1: Yeah, so t- two parts. First channel is what we call the consumer flywheel. So it's basically consumers who are signing up, taking a course, hopefully most of them loving it. In fact, the data says they are, cause our NPS is over 70 for most of our courses, which is good. Those consumers turn into enterprise leads. They come back, they bring a team, and they buy, that would be kind of a low hanging fruit. And now we're building an outbound motion. We have two BDRs in place, a couple AEs, we're growing that team. Now we have a couple open recs and we're gonna build an outbound motion, pretty classic, you know, uh, thought leadership based, uh, email and content based from a marketing perspective into BDRs, you know, generating meetings uh, for our AEs, uh, primarily targeting the head of L and D or head of HR inside of a large enterprise.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So excited to, to cut this up with you, man. And it sounds like you're doing some great things, um, especially to have a net promoter score of 70, which is is fantastic. So it sounds that, like you're executing a very, very high level. So,
1: yeah, okay. I mean, our, our point of view is our point of view was Mercedes product Toyota price. So we wanted to kind of disrupt this uh, part of the EdTech market. With an amazing product, so that's why you know the NPS is so important, NPS completion, uh, kind of learning outcomes, we measure all that stuff. We wanted, to, we wanted to have the best product and we wanted to do it at a price, sort of about a thousand bucks a year for the employee. That was kind of disruptive uh, to anybody else who's trying to sell a similar offering uh, into the enterprise. So that's kind of a core of our business strategy, Mercedes product, Toyota price.
0: Okay, so it's like a thousand per employee per year, or is it per course? Yeah, the business model is it's recurring revenue.
1: It's a thousand nine ninety five per year with discounts for the enterprise for buying in, obviously buying in volume. So uh, basic, you know, seat model, subscription seat model.
0: Okay, excellent, love it. So, uh, so how did you get here, right? Like you had the the six, you know, the six six companies you founded before, and we we joked around about that a little bit in the intro. Uh, I guess like. How did you get to this point where you're at this stage, you're you're building another company again, you know, just walk us through what it was like from the early days to now. And then, you know, I'm sure I'll have tons of questions along the way.
1: Yeah, listen, I don't, I don't like working for other people. Uh, so uh, I did that for about five, six years, realized that I'm better off kind of working for myself, started my first company, actually with my wife as a co-founder. We won't do that ever again. We're still married, uh, uh, but uh Starting a company together, I think was hard uh, for both of us, but we sold it successfully uh, about three years after we started it. And that actually gave us the money to emigrate from Canada to California. So we came from Toronto to, to the Bay Area. I went to business school here and that paid for business school and and, and kind of got me into my, into the next startup. Um, you know, to kind of fast forward, uh, I, I like the early stages of building a product or a service that, that doesn't exist and bringing something new to market. And, you know, find those initial customers, getting that initial traction and, um, you know, kind of getting it to five or ten million dollars in ARR. And then at that point, I think it's, you know, someone else can kind of take it forward is my point of view. My sweet spot, I think, is in that earlier stage. And I've done a bootstrapped and I've done it with lots of capital. Uh, my last company first up, which is now doing about hundred million dollars in ARR, um, uh, you know, that that took about $65, 70 million dollars of, of venture capital to get it to that point. Uh, and currently section four, you know, we, you know, as I said, we've raised over $30 million and we're, we're three and a half years into this journey. It's going to take, you know, it's going to take a while. It always does takes longer than you want. Um, but you know, I, I just, I, I was attracted to the opportunity into working with Scott. Scott's a good buddy of mine, uh, Scott Galloway. And, uh, he had started this company and, uh, I kind of joined as CEO and we decided to build an ed tech company together and really kind of disrupt business schools and offer what we think is a better, as I said, a Mercedes product at Toyota price, uh, help people accelerate their careers. Um, so yeah, listen, I, I just, I love doing this. Uh, as I said, I'm, you know, there's, there's a level of delusion you need, uh, resilience. Um, you know, you need you need people around you that are willing to support you to be an entrepreneur, particularly, a mul- you know, a multiple times entrepreneur. Um, it's just what I, it's what I'm, you know, I'm not that great at it. I'm good enough at it. You know, I sold. I sold first up for 150 million dollars uh, about four years ago. It's probably worth now, you know, four or five times that, maybe more. Um, but you know, that only in Silicon Valley is that is that not a home run, right? Um,
0: <laughs> so let me so, ask you that real quick. So how, how much uh, revenue were you guys doing when you sold it at 150 mil?
1: I think we were doing like 30 to 30, 30ish million okay. in ARR. Yeah. So the multiple, the multiple is good. Not it was good. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Companies continue to grow. The company made an acquisition, so we sold it to private equity, and they came in and they used their capital uh, to buy, the, frankly, the number two in the category. So they bought the closest competitor and combined the two companies, and that's how first up, then kind of broke that hundred million dollar uh, kind of revenue ceiling last year. Ah, so, love it. Uh, you know, uh, and by the way, though, that, you know, that all that growth was in the last three to five years of the company, there was eight years of hard labor breaking rocks, right, to find, find product market fit, find the repeatable go to market motion that worked, you know, with an ACV that worked time to close, you know, uh, all those kind of key, key sales metrics, it took a while to figure that shit out, you know, um, it was
0: hard. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to go like we did I, did. I did. I don't know if I told you this, but I did that from took a company from zero to 30 million in AR um, in five and a half years. And in my opinion, right, it got easier a- as time went on, right? It did the first 18 to 24 months was just like, just grinding through the mud, just trying to make it happen, whatever way you did. I mean, We would go meet with customers when we were in the neighborhood, right, for enterprise clients, and we would fly like, on a two hour flight cause we were in the neighborhood, right? And have lunch with them. Yeah, so sure. like we would do stupid yeah. stuff like that just to get access to people because that's like how critical it is at that stage of the business, you know, for not just for survival, but to to, to thrive. And then once you start to get all that underneath you, you have a lot more luxuries and infrastructure that you can leverage. Um, so I think it's very admirable that, that that's kind of your sweet spot. That's what I want to ask you is like, how do you, your specialty, right, is from zero to 10 million in AR, you mentioned, and you've done it five to six times. Uh, How do you do that? Like, what's your framework from when you start to grow into that level? And like, how do you kind of approach it as a leader, as a founder, as a CEO? Uh,
1: I'm not sure I've got a great playbook, uh, to be honest. I think each one's a little different. I'd say some principles I've got are... uh, Hundred unaffiliated customers buying the same product uh, in under six months. Each customer, meaning from the time you contact them to the time they close, you want that to be six months. Sure, it can be nine months or twelve months in larger deals. But you're, I, my point of view is for for enterprise. You know, you want something that can be sold. You know, probably at fifty to a hundred thousand dollars ARR if you're going to get on a plane, or at least uh, you know we don't do that so much anymore. But you know, a high-touch, high-value sales process needs a high ACV, in my opinion. You need good, obviously good renewal rates. But I think about it as. You know, yeah, I can get 10 customers. That's going to be pretty easy. And, you know, we, got all, we all have good networks. We got friends. We have people that will take a chance on us in terms of buying something that's new that we're going to bring to market. But how do you get to 100? And, you know, kind of what's that look like? And how, how much unnatural acts do you have to do? How many getting on planes and faking it do you have to do to get to 100? If it's too much, it's too much. You probably don't have product market fit or it's not a big enough market. So you're really trying to test out you know your go to market and the size of the market at the same time you know i haven't I have not always got that right, obviously, and I've closed down some ventures as well as had some good exits so you know you know my track record like like any good entrepreneur frankly or good enough entrepreneur is you know it's mixed you know and it, it, it will be for any of us I think that do more than one venture right um so listen I, I think that it's about uh managing yourself and investing. Uh, your own time and capital uh you know um uh, moderately until you find that product market fit. You know, which which with section four, you know, we really put the gas on and we've had to, you know, we've had to really uh pull back a bit. recession end of the pandemic was tough on us. You know, we, we were a business section four that benefited from the pandemic in terms of people being inside and wanting to learn, right? So post-pandemic, you know, our consumer sales definitely suffered. Uh, our enterprise sales uh, started to pick up, though. But you know, we've we've had to really kind of go slower in the past 12 months. You know, figure out you know who is the buyer and what are they buying, and kind of you know kind of that get that product market fit right in order to kind of go fast, right? Uh, kind of this year and next year. Uh, so it's not you know it's it's there's no single playbook. I think it's a lot of paying attention to what the data says. You know, and and really, I think that's maybe the the core of this is: Are you looking at the data? you know we're so all what delusional did you look at i mean that's that's a great you, point
0: you're no? looking
1: at yeah you're looking at how many how many you know what was the what was the process to get a close you know from the first meeting set to you know how many conversations did it take how many proposals were sent right you know what what how many buyers had to be involved on the client side right on the customer side or prospect side to make that decision right like how complicated was that decision for them you know, was there competition, all that stuff? Like how long did it take? What's the ACV and so on? Is there any expansion in the first 12 months of a new contract? Or is it, you know, one contract and then a renewal? Like all that stuff, you just kind of look at that data and you, you got to look at it with, with clear eyes, you know, and founders, entrepreneurs, we don't do that. You know, meaning our inclination is to, you know, we drink our own Kool-Aid.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. And like I've, uh, I literally just wrote a post about this today. I haven't published it yet, but one of the like critical things of looking at the data that we did is we kept looking at our top 20%, right? The the top 20% of our biggest customers, fastest customers, biggest losses, and kept like leaning in and putting more focus and energy into them. And so that kept like doubling our deal size as we grew. So yeah. our, I, yeah, mean, I mean, do that's a, you- that's a, great, that's a great idea. Like yeah. that's a, like a simple, I mean, not a simple way, but it's a, it's a pretty specific way that most people walk right by, right? Um, any any other ideas similar to that that you you've done when you've looked at the data or things that you've looked at um, outside of kind of the most normal ones like conversions and speed anything um, that you've done that yeah, you see? Yeah, I, mean, like I,
1: really well? I think it's similar to what you did. I think I think the way to think about, Hey, t- t- look at right now. Right, we're in, we're in a recession. Although you know, no one wants to admit it. We are and uh, And even if we're not in a recession, companies are going to behave like we're in a recession right now. So right. our enterprise clients are going to because the more they cut costs and drive earnings up, you know, the more their stock recovers faster. So whether we're in a recession or not, you know, in my opinion, we are. And I think we're in an enterprise one, meaning our, our our potential, our prospects, our potential customers are going to start to kind of constrain spending, obviously. Right. And just drive their earnings up. They're going to do more layoffs, not less. Right. So that that's that's the, op- the environment we're operating in. I, I think about these environments as this is the time you do what you suggested. you look at your top customers and you re- really figure out who is your core customer. You know, why are they buying and renewing and how's that gonna change in a recession? So I think about it as you gotta plot everybody on a two by two, right? Is the customer growing or not? Meaning their own, is the customer's business gonna be impacted by the recession? And then and then what are you to the customer on that nice to have to must have scale, right? And and there's no way to necessarily come up with a data point for that except judgment, but you gotta use again kind of clear-eyed judgment around are you a nice app pur- purchaser a must-have and how your customers impact and you'll get that answer that you got to which is you know wh- what are my top 20 percent right what what's my middle 60 what's my bottom 20 right and then you you know you basically need to do things like fire your bottom 20 right you need to yeah. you know, over invest in your in your top 20 of your of your customers right and grow them i think about it for startups in this environment as you're going to retreat survive or go on offense, you're gonna thrive. And I think CEOs right now should be doing some analysis to, to put themselves in one of those three buckets. Are you in retreat mode, which might mean you're selling the business or you're really putting it in hibernation? Are you in survive mode, which is you can, you know, you can meet last year's revenue, maybe even grow a little bit, you know, or are you in thrive mode? Meaning, no, you're actually solid and, and can take advantage of this recession and kind of grow into it or grow through it. Right. And I just think we all need to be doing that kind of work right now in terms of kind of uh, analyzing ourselves uh, from the inside, right? And that starts with, who's my core customer? Do I have a strong fit there? And how is that core customer gonna be impacted by the recession?
0: That makes a lot of sense. And so is that what you would suggest if, for like recession proofing your business? If you're, if, you're, if you're like taking a fresh look at everything, that's how you kind of approach it in, in terms of dealing with that?
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah exactly. We approach it as uh, identify and defend your core. And so that means do the work internally. I, I think about it as like a 30 day sprint. You should be able to uh, in, internally take your team, it could be you and a co-founder, it could be your management team, depends how big your team is. And basically run a process, could take a week, could take as long as a month, doesn't need to take any longer, where you, you basically identify your core customer, including your most recent pipeline. So I think you should be looking at, uh, you know, kind of last 12 months of customer data in terms of sales data, and your, your probably your last 90 day pipeline. And, and really understand who is the core customer inside of that, that total group, right? That's your core. you got to defend it. And that means can you withstand competitive threat to that core, right? Uh, can you, are they going to be under pressure in terms of cutting budgets, things like that? And that's your base, right? And then from that, you can figure out what else could I do, right? Can I, can I, do, I, do, I, do I want to just defend that? That's kind of probably, that's the survive mode, you know, kind of defend the core. You know, retreat mode is you're in retreat. Right. You, you can't defend the core. The core is under attack too much. Right. You know, a good example would be, you know, tech company I and mean, crypto is an obvious example. Right. The whole category is falling apart. But even outside of crypto, just put, you know, just pick enterprise SaaS. A lot of software sells to other tech companies and tech companies, you know, including other startups. Right. So and they're been in, they're in retreat. Right. The last 12 months because the capital markets dried up. So if you're a company selling a software solution to other startups. Right. Yeah, you know, you're, you might be you might be in retreat mode, meaning you know you can't you can't even defend the core because the core itself is going to erode, right? You know, because their own businesses are collapsing. So you know, good news for us, Section Four, of this business uh, is that we sell a large enterprise. So you know, we always had a focus on kind of what we call legacy firms, the Fortune 500, uh, and that just you know, we, we, we I just prefer I like selling to those kinds of companies. They're big. To your point, you can afford to get on a plane if you need to even, you know, to go, to go make a sales call. You know, they, they you know, they're willing to go, if they choose you, they'll go deep and buy you for one, two, three, four, five years, right? ACVs are better. So, you know, that's that's kind of where we focus. And that's, for us, uh, fortunate in that the recession will, you know, those guys will be fine during a recession, right? Um, so, versus maybe the startup community.
0: Well, yeah, and then there's good NRR opportunities in there, right? If, you, if you're, you right. um So if 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 you're positioned the right way, so like something I wanted to ask you, like, especially while we're on the topic of, you know, kind of the recession, right? You're uniquely positioned because you've had experience being both bootstrapped and VC backed, right? So as we head into this with the capital markets, the way they are right now, what's like the advantage of being a bootstrap company now or being a VC backed company now versus the other? And like, how do you kind of look at it when you when you look at those two models specifically for the startup world? Yeah, I think it's uh, doesn't matter. What matters more is
1: what's your burn. Because whether you're bootstrapped or venture backed, you're still looking at potentially the same picture. You know, the picture you need to look at is what's revenue, what's cost, what's burn, right? um and so i think that the that's where the you know that's kind of where what we're looking at uh, uh, regardless of kind of you know maybe where the capital's coming from you know listen if you're bootstrapped and you've and you're used to living you know uh, as a break even business or close to break even you're you're probably just used to the environment that you now need to operate in which is you know, uh, going to be in, you know, less investment and more about preserving what you have. Right. And, and kind of turning up every month with a break, even, you know, kind of uh, income statement, right. Uh, venture backed. Yeah. You've got more room, right. You got more room. Um, but uh, you know, that, that also can, can hurt you in terms of burn. Right. Cause, uh, most of us expanded our spending to try to get, you know, if you thought about the metrics a year ago or, you know, it's all about growth. Right. And the new metric is obviously all about cash preservation and uh, kind of, you know, um, uh, sane growth, right? Or moderate growth. So, yeah, listen, I think that either way, you need to be resilient, you need to face the hard truths. You need to replan every quarter, in my opinion. I think, you know, we, you as a CEO, you've got to be coming up with a sort of a, a way to plan every quarter, meaning, you know, come up with a, uh, a way you and the management team want to get together and look at the same set of data. And decide what to do for the next 90 days and then revisit every 90 days until the recession's over, until you're out of the recession, right? This idea of six or twelve month plans, yeah, you have a six, you have a 12-month plan, then a six-month plan, but I think you should be looking at every 90 days, at least, maybe even, you know, maybe even every 30 days, depending on the kind of business you're in and how quickly it's changing. But you know, shit's changing fast, right?
0: Thank you so much for being on the show. I had a blast. All right, we'll see y'all on the next episode. Thank you for checking out the scale up show.